Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And tonight, prepare yourselves as I Wendigo, Wendigo, Wendigo. Oh no. As we delve into the uh, horror movie Antlers. Yeah, this episode's cursed for sure. <laughs> oh, fuck. We didn't even do our breathing prior. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Prepare to lose that breath. <laughs> no. <laughs> You, you bad baby. I'm, I'm Mert. I'm Mitch. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. I'm fucked that up was, over this. That was a very chaotic yeah. intro. Do, do we, yeah. You just we, cursed this whole episode. No, no let's fine. keep going. Yeah, let's keep we gotta keep rolling with it. Yeah, We're back. We're back. We're back. Yeah, no, it was a nice little hiatus, a little break. Yeah, we needed a break. There's a lot going on right now. A lot yeah. going on in the world. Fucking rest in peace, Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. boy. Right off the top. Uh, everybody, absolutely everybody devastated. Bombed. I don't know yeah. what was worse, Godfrey or Betty White. Oh my god, dude! It sucks too because Betty White had just been on TV like days before, being like, "I'm gonna live forever," and then, and then like, died on New Year's. Yeah, Eve. we were like, "Wow, bro, that's not cool." Yeah, we started the year off rough. Yeah, <laughs> holy shit! I like that somebody brought a Betty White memorial photo to our New Year's yeah, party. Yeah, one of our parties. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> holy shit. shit! Quality. Yeah, we're back. A uh, few things came out. Elden Ring came came out. Uh, consumed so much time it destroyed my life <laughs> i hate everything and everyone I, yeah yeah <laughs> oh my god expect a segment on it in the future oh dang we're gonna have a whole segment yeah all right not a oh, sorry episode oh okay wow i was wow. like damn whoa, whoa, whoa. i was like you're gonna keep a continuous segment of just like fuck that fuck everything this is awful no i love the game <laughs> but tonight why are you guys looking at me? Well, <laughs> you're speaking. What do you mean? We're talking about antlers, man. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. before we do that, I want to talk about the dude that that review bombed our stuff, which is yeah. oh. so great. Honestly, thanks for listening to like 10 plus episodes of the podcast to fully commit a review bomb to us because that shit was hilarious. Uh, but he does bring up the good point of box office numbers and the way that they're produced. So it should be noted that when box office numbers are coming together, it doesn't include absolutely everything because the theater takes some revenue from it ah. because they get to show it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. just because uh, they broke even doesn't necessarily mean they didn't make more money. Some of it got taken by the theater and it's not adjusted to today's numbers. So the numbers that we read are specifically from that year it was released and it's not adjusted to inflation. But, you know, most people know that. <laughs> in this case, he was very butthurt about us not knowing that. Well, I knew that. I just assumed everybody else did. Well, yeah. I guess it was just not mentioning the difference or the details right. between us. I like, guess so. Know. Either way, it's more just for like a gauge on how popular it was yeah. in like popular media. Not necessarily like, oh, was this movie good? And how successful? many people were in the chairs? Yeah. yeah if you, you want know? to really get into that, I highly suggest doing your own research because there's only so much information we can present on this podcast yeah. and so much time we can dedicate to explaining everything. There is a website called thenumbers.com where you can get a, a very elaborate breakdown of just how much money each film made but that's not the point of what we talk about in the podcast i just wanted to mention it yeah yeah, yeah we bring it up specifically to see <clears throat> how did this movie do in like public perception a little bit and yeah. one way to do that is to follow the money i'm also gonna just mention i'm laughing that the guy had to compare every john carpenter film to jaws pick another movie 
<laughs> yeah, really though. Like I don't, I didn't understand that. Either it's way, okay. I won't we spend, love you. I won't spend too much time on it. Either way, it was great to read all of the comments. Yeah, thanks for giving us the listens <laughs> yeah. and for bombing all of the other podcasts with yeah, listens and comments. He likes to go to podcast listen to a few episodes and then just leave a series of comments specifically horror movie podcasts. yeah specifically horror podcasts um i saw a bunch of people responding oh no to him i don't want to do that getting into like a shouting match it was so funny <laughs> um but were they, yeah. were they typing in all caps yeah literally like they were like i saw one one podcast that was like fucking kill yourself like don't go listen to our shit like i do not need you on my stuff <laughs> like i don't need you at all for a listener why are you even wasting your time it was really funny to go through all of the Sounds stuff on there. Sounds like he's just kind of lonely. <laughs> Some people forget that the algorithm is God. <laughs> and your comments just help I know, us. exactly. <laughs> I, I almost wonder if that's like an ulterior motive. Is they're really just trying to support us oh, by causing man, right? controversy. Yeah. But all they have is negativity. I was, <laughs> I was kind of mad people at the comments. People respond well to negativity. I'm just saying as soon as something kind of out there or crazy negative happens, everyone has something to say about it. But if something positive happens, it's like, okay, cool guy. No one cares about it after that. It should. The comments should have been on like Facebook or like Instagram. I'm kind of mad that they're in SoundCloud where most people won't see them. <laughs> but if you want to see them, go find our shit on SoundCloud and you can see all the comments and it'll be fun yeah. to read It's quite them. amusing, actually. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Let's talk about the production shit for <clears throat> Antlers. Hello, Antlers. Yes. From 2021. Yeah. It was filmed and shot in 2018. Oh, I didn't know that. And it was pushed back several, several times due to COVID and other things Oh, that like makes that. sense, actually. Uh, the movie was directed by Scott Cooper. He's known for the films Black Mass in 2015 and Out of the Furnace in 2013. Both crime films. So some people criticized the choice of him for director because it seemed that he had a running record of making crime dramas. Ooh. So they weren't exactly sure if he'd be able to make a horror film. And right. that's debatable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the screenplay was by C. Henry Chasen. Uh, Nick Acosta was brought on and Scott Cooper as well. Uh, it is based on The Quiet Boy, which we talked about in a previous episode yeah, by Nick Acosta. short story. Yeah, the, the short story was uh, really well done for being only so many amount of pages. And so we were excited to see this when it came out. <clears throat> I have a frog in my throat. God damn it. <laughs> Ribbit. Ribbit. Uh, the movie was also produced by Guillermo del Toro. So he helped pay for a good just having his name attached brought a lot of hype. Oh yeah, the film. Just a lot of people were getting it mixed up that he directed it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wish he would have directed it. It would have been an amazing film if he had brought in his um, kind of creative ideas for what this could have been. And I was that's commented on a lot. Yeah, I honestly was really excited to watch this movie because I thought he was the one directing it. Oh really? It. Dang. Turns out he wasn't, and it it shows. But we'll get to that. <laughs> Uh, the film is primarily shot in British Columbia, premiered in Los Angeles on October 11, 2021. It is met with mixed reviews currently right now. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one of the biggest criticisms I saw was that the story, the narrative seems to abandon its atmospheric like thriller aspect at the beginning for a creature feature in the last like 10 to 15 minutes of the film where you actually get to see the creature attack people. So they yeah. were like, why spend an hour and a half building this atmospheric story to just blow it up at the end for, for the creature showing up. And that's like the biggest criticism for it. It kind of mirrors the short story, at least in the beginning of the, yeah. of the movie for sure. It, it definitely does. I mean, there's a lot of good performances too, in this movie also. I mean, I think that, um, who plays the? Who plays the? He's the fifteen-year-old actor. He plays the little. He's, he's the little boy. Jeremy T. Thomas there is Lucas go. Weaver. 
yeah, probably yeah. the I, best I, actor in the film. <laughs> no, no, and for being 15 years old, like yeah. holy shit! Like I was like, yeah, this is a disturbed child. Child, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, to yeah. round out the rest of the yeah, cast, yeah, go for it. We have Carrie Russell as Julia Meadows. She's our main character. Uh, we have Jesse Plemons as Paul Meadows, uh, which is hilarious because if you don't recognize him, he is in a lot of stuff as a cop, but he primary, primarily played Todd in Breaking Bad. Yeah, he, he also is much <laughs> heavier in this film. Yeah, he I re- gained weight for this role, I think. I, I read up on that. So he was gaining weight for another role. Oh, gotcha. And uh, they did this in about three weeks. Oh, uh, wow. three weeks and he didn't have time to prepare to become yeah. more slimmer for the role oh you know, wow that's something i was telling jonathan about that's just wild to me about certain actors yeah. is they're required to build their physique in a certain way in order to portray these characters so imagine like you spend all of your life working towards like having a lean muscular body and they're like okay you need to be overweight for this so i need you to un- undo all of the years of work you've been doing but also to do that so quickly yeah can be very dangerous oh, either yeah. gaining or losing weight rapidly is not how your body is supposed to function there was uh, that whole season of it's always sunny in philadelphia where mac gets fat yeah he, he did it purposely for because real. he said i could just do it and then i'm gonna lose all of this and more and became chiseled as fuck. That dude got fucking shredded. Yeah. <laughs> after that, like it's insane how how muscular he got after that. Uh, also, there, we also have to bring up like Batman and other stuff. But you know, uh, people oh, do all these things from uh, superhero what roles. Is it, all Christian time. Bale. Christian Bale. Yeah. yeah. You Batman versus it. then the Machinist, where he is like skin and bones. Yeah. When you mm. see him in Batman, he's big buff man. I'm I'm mad about how bad the Machinist was. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll talk about that eventually. Yeah. So we have uh, Jeremy oh, T. Oh, some, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Something to mention is um, uh, Jesse Plemons. That's the dude from the Black Mirror episode, the USS Callister. Yeah. If you didn't yeah. recognize him. And it's the only role that he's won an award for. Oh, shit. Yeah. And that one was fucking wild. Yeah. It's a great episode if you wanted to watch Black Mirror. Um, technically horror. And I, I feel like we mentioned it before. In yeah. One of the Black we talked Mirror about episodes. Black Mirror before. It's a very uh, dystopian sort of show. Did you hear deal. the Black Mirror a creator said that he's not making any more episodes because modern life is already fucking terrible enough. Yeah, that oh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah he's nice. like, I can't do it. He's like, there's nothing more terrible than what's happening right now. Yeah. And he just stopped. Now Good. he's going to start making documentaries. <laughs> Damn, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, to finish it off, we have uh, Graham Greene as Warren Stokes. Uh, Scott Hayes as Frank Weaver. And Amy Madigan as the principal. There's just it's a very small it's a small town kind of yeah. setup so you don't really have too much characters. There's some other minor ones in there, but they they get eaten. There's no <laughs> lady with a Misfits T-shirt smoking a cigarette though, which Not upset there. me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, small details, small yeah. details. So there was a big thing coming into this movie that it was very hyped up because of the Guillermo del Toro mm-hmm. credit. Uh, having read and heard the short story, I was expecting to see more faithfulness to it. And so my first critique off the bat is that some things were different, but some things were also added too to give mm-hmm. it more character. Yeah. Um, I have to say I think the intro was too long. Yeah. It I took agree. way too long for her to get there, to like establish who she is, to show why she even gives a fuck about the kid. When you could have, you could have started the movie fifty minutes into the movie. You could have started it there. Maybe and a short a, film. And, and no, and had a better film by mm-hmm. starting there and then moving forward. Yeah, like point. the first hour of the movie, I think, could have been condensed down into 15 minutes and they could have spent yeah, more time developing like the actual action sequences when things start to get more interesting. Um, I did want to ask, though, 
the, so obviously the film isn't just about the creature. You have yeah. you have aspects of what is it what it is for how to have like neglectful parents, what is drug abuse, what does that do to your child, and like how they end up having to take care of their parents at some point. So those those are like the big metaphors for it. Why do you think they included something like this in a horror film? Like why even bring these topics together? Uh, I would say probably because the short story already kind of kicks off with the short story itself already kind of kicks off with that idea of, you know, I'm concerned about this uh, potentially abused child yeah. that's right here. So I'm going to go investigate it. I mean, that's kind of like, I mean, contrary to what you're saying, I didn't actually think that it was too long getting things going. I thought that it kind of just sat there yeah. and developed the atmosphere similar to how the story he does. Getting more in the intro. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also it's got that cool, like, Pacific Northwest vibe going on for it, so it's all foggy. There's okay, trees I did like everywhere. The aesthetics. Yeah. I like the setting a lot. The sh the shot. There's some good shots and things in this movie for sure. Um, I know this doesn't. I'm gonna try to go back to answer John's question. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I think that, I think that the movie itself kind of scrapes. I'm mean, not not the movie, but the uh, short story scrapes the surface of like abuse, and then they just kind of go a little bit deeper on that. Yeah. On that front where it's like the father has a drug addiction issue. He separates himself from his kids to save them, but it also hurts them at the same time because they're away from their parent. It's very complicated. They're dealing with the death of their mother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it does get at the aspect of not fully blaming the people who are addicted to drugs. It gives the aspect of, well, they're, they might be aware that they can't stop themselves and will try to help as much as they can. And you do have a glimpse of that when the dad knows he's going to turn and like locks himself in mm -hmm. but then there's not much else that can be done after that I, he's turning basically i think something else that this shows really well is sort of the othering that comes from knowing a person who is a drug addict yes so ten, when you haven't experienced it yourself i mean even if you have experienced it yourself you kind of look at drug addicts a certain way like as soon as you hear like oh this person's doing meth yeah. this person's doing heroin you automatically put them in a certain type of box and so in this case like it's usually the kids, like you had mentioned, that are left to take care of their parents because, like, they know who they were before that happened, you know, and they Ooh, still love them. That's a really good point. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of things that don't get talked about, especially because rehabilitation is not really a thing in the United States, uh, just because they want to put you somewhere and then forget about you. So it's mm -hmm. like the, it's, it's done with jails as well. Like, there's no they don't want people to get out of jail. So it's like they well, usually, they profit so much. Yeah, off of exactly. jails. Why would you? Well, you profit off of mental health as well you, exactly. you get to charge therapy you get to charge medications Ooh. you get to do all sorts of stuff so they yeah. don't really want this person to feel better but the aspect in the storytelling of that they knew this person before it had happened is really important for the kid you now you have now brought up something that makes me think that this movie is a little bit more deeper than what it's presented as yeah so <clears throat> we even get a, a flashback to what the story of the wendabagel is I'm going to start saying that. Um, yeah, we don't say the word here. Yeah, Mitch. That, for, you want to make a PSA? Make yeah. a PSA. PSA, <laughs> when it comes to certain cryptids, find another name to call them. Do not call them by their traditional indigenous name. Do not call them by their common name because that will invoke the spirit <laughs> into the space. I like living on the edge. So, <laughs> so we call them Winnie Bagos, Windy Bagels. Anything but the word. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. PSA heard, understood. Yeah. Thank you, Justine, for that PSA nice. about Wenda Bagels. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> so, yeah, go ahead. So this is what I wanted to bring up. There is 
uh, in the original tale, basically it was something that the native and indigenous people basically made a story around because people started to eat each other, cannibalize each other in certain tribes. And it also had to do with greed yeah. uh, yes. in some cultures. Uh, but this is making a new different, uh, this is, it's weird because it takes from the indigenous past, but it also makes a different spin on it where the when to go bagel is <laughs> the Wendabagel. Where you're fired. I know. Oh, well, the the Wendabagel is could just be a metaphor for drug abuse and drug addiction. A modern take on the Wendabagel. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Um, it, it is getting at the idea that there's kind of never enough. You're never going to get enough of whatever you're addicted to. Right, and that it even hurts more when you think about the end of the series where the or the end of the story. Where the teacher has to take out both the, the father and the son, but and the, the kid Spirit. and the kid thinks no, that's my, that's still my dad. That's still my dad. He might have ha- needles in him. He might look like he's scarred and fucked up, but that's still my dad. Because at the end of the day, they're just their parents. They're just going through some shit. Mm-hmm. So this is like a it's a bastardization, but it's also a new modern take on it. Yeah, so one of the strongest criticisms was their side use of uh, an actual Native American character to just give you a little bit of lore, and then they then you don't see them anymore. I I like that they brought in the Native person to give the explanation. He's the but, ex-police chief, isn't he? In the, in the I believe story? so, yeah. yeah he's but the old police chief. I'm, I'm sad that he didn't have a conclusion to his story. He's kind of just there just to be the shaman to give knowledge Well, he's to like them. the uh, the warning. Yeah. Well, the, that's the know. case in a lot of these stories yeah. that are centered around a white cast and they have their one token character of color. Yeah. Is there always, in a sense, like the magical being that's going to come and save the day for everybody by giving them some valuable knowledge or pointing them in the right direction, and that's all they're good for. In a lot of cases, that comes in the form of the magical black person. You have some sort of witch or shaman lady that shows up and gives the people brings them in, nurtures them, gives them some good advice, and then you never hear or see from her again because she's just a side character. When, in fact, if it weren't for the indigenous people, they wouldn't have a story at all. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah, they're pulling from the source without crediting a whole lot what I, to what it originally was. What I do like is uh, when he sees the drawings, he goes, is your son native? And they're like, no, that doesn't make sense. He asked, like, uh, how, why would a na- non-native person draw this yeah right <laughs> which is also suggesting the 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 detachment away from the original idea which is what you're saying where i think the the writer was adapting it into something that people could relate to in a, for a modern audience but not necessarily explaining a whole lot of where it came from and so that's kind of the difference and how some people might feel about it right. like this one is particularly interesting for me because i was i was planning on writing a story about this type of creature and as i did more research and got to a conclusion that um, i just wasn't the person to tell the story because i'm not native american myself and so i I had to abandon the story because i didn't feel like it'd be the right person for it so at some point the producers and other people had to be like is this something that we're going to tell and then they adapted it to something different which is what we have in the film and you could tell from like production notes that they kind of didn't understand the the history a little bit because they the director even said, well, we know that with this creature, it has to have horns. It Wrong. has to have <laughs> uh, like like uh, certain types of branches coming from it. Ooh. And so, yeah, that's even, already e- wrong. Even from yeah. reading that, I was like, we get the original one, though, which is great to see basically a 
Yeah, do you guys want to hear about Skim milk the walker. original depiction of a Wendy yeah, bagel? Yeah, go for it. So, Wendy bagels are said to be humanoid-like creatures mm-hmm. with abnormally long limbs. Their skin is black and slick like oil. Yeah. Incredibly skinny. Their voice sounds... They can mimic human sounds, mm-hmm. but there is something slightly distorted about their voice. They smell putrid. The air turns cold when they're around, and if you're in the forest and one is around, everything will go silent. They because dampen they a lot are, of the noise. Because these creatures are considered to be predators, anytime a predator enters the space in a forest, the creatures around go silent because they don't want to get eaten. I got to give the movie props for bringing the original version on the movie, though. I mean, sort of. It yeah. was like it, it's they, like a metamorphosis. They go, yeah. They, it goes through a transformation where it literally like bursts out of the dude, which is an interesting aspect of just straight up body horror. But they did, they did get some of the details wrong. And Justine and I were talking about it. The sub, the way that the original creature was designed was that it had a, a heart of ice that had to be torn out and thrown into a fire. That's what bugged me too. And, but it was like <laughs> it was like scorching hot. When yeah. they were like, and that was like a theme of the whole thing where like you saw it glowing inside did, the chest. Did it kind of take you, take you out of it? For me, it did only because I had done so much research, but I, to the standard viewer, it wouldn't matter. Like this is just an aesthetic thing that you did for visuals. So it's not a terrible choice. Like if you're going to make something like that for people to watch. Yeah, for like the general audience. But I do now as of lately, more and more people are getting interested in researching about exactly. these certain types yeah. of cryptid and Appalachian lore and Navajo lore. Yeah. So the original, so it's not, too far off from the original idea so the original story was created as a warning so kind of your cautionary tale to deal especially with greed but also with the idea of secluding yourself from community and from society the original idea was that the greed is uh, a thing that you can't get rid of because you're never satisfied Mm. and this transfers directly into the hunger of the creature where it eats and it feels hungry all the time there's never enough so much so that it'll eat its own lips and sometimes its own limbs because it doesn't it can't get enough meat and things to eat. And so they're saying they were essentially warning that if you become greedy for something, whether it's money, power or any sort of uh, like physical thing, in this case, it's like drug abuse or being addicted to certain substances, then it's just never going to be enough. And so that translates well into the story that's been created now. So it's not too far off, but mm. I don't know if they fully understood that. You know, when they were creating it, like what was sort of the original idea? There's a couple corpses that get left behind, which doesn't yeah. make sense to me. Oh, you um, mean like when they're <clears throat> uh, investigating and they're just like, yep. okay, let's leave. No, no, no. Like like the creature would eat the bodies. Yeah. He wouldn't leave stuff behind. Oh, yeah. That's also true. It wouldn't pass up and on it, a meal. It, <laughs> I mean, like I know that this, this is the thing. With more modern takes, we have the antler version being more popular in media now. Yeah, that was I specifically because think... of one movie. Oh, I was going to say, was it because of Hannibal? Or no, Hannibal else? does was a much later version, and they pulled from... It's like a movie from the 90s or something like that, mm-hmm. which popularized the idea of the creature, and they introduced antlers for a visual aspect. And then people were like, yep, that's it, and it became part of like modern interpretation and lore. Yeah, but it's ironic too because things that have defensive mechanisms on them, i.e. antlers, are usually herbivores. Yeah. These are prey animals. And so it's ironic that it has horns because that's what prey animals have, but this is not a prey animal, this is a predator. Yeah, that was brought that was brought up several times. One of the explanations from the original director who included antlers for their creature was arguing that whoever becomes one of the creatures is themselves 
like a victim and um, that the disease or whatever is getting attached to their body is preying on them. So that's why they have antlers. It's like a, it's supposed to show like their innocence and victimhood as far as like what's taking over them. But that was like, I think they were just trying to defend their movie like really hard at some point because they were like, who the fuck are you telling this story that you know nothing about? Jeez. So heavy criticism all around for, Um, for something like that. I gotta say for the movie itself, uh, very good cinematic shots in this. Yeah, it's a, it's a great. So I I think some shots are great, but I I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of like film 101. Yeah, like you got you, your dolly you, shots. You got just your standard shots and just about everything. There was kind of not really any unique shots, as far as like being able to do unique shots for a horror film. They didn't really have too many. They didn't do too many jump scares either. They had like one or two. Yeah, which I I commend them for that. Uh, I also. <clears throat> Really like the soundscape and soundtrack that they made for this, though. Really atmospheric. Um, really atmospheric stuff. So I, I didn't. I give points to that. There's that shot of the of the of the, the cop car driving through the forest. That's a great shot. Yeah, I like that one a lot. I like how the lights just kind of fade off into the. You can't see anything else in the forest besides the road and then the little, the lights coming off the car, which is a good one. So I wanted to ask then: Do you guys think the short story version of this is better? Like, should it, it, did they adapt it well? Um, I think they got some parts of the story correct, um, or they did them well, but I think that, um, it, it does kind of turn into a, like a a creature feature sort of thing. Uh, but I, and, and it's like this, 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 the adage, the adage of like the abuse metaphor. Was it teacher? What's up? Well, yeah. Well, well there's the, well, the one with the teacher and her oh, own, yeah, her own well. passive use, which I thought personally, personally thought that that was one of the most like that was a really good interpretation of like showing someone having like a like a traumatic like flashback without being too like gross. obnoxious or gross with it. And just being like that was still disturbing. Yeah. But not like so much you know they did a lot of implications they didn't have to show the actual abuse they just showed that yeah. she was hiding yeah and exactly and I, I thought over. it was very creatively done and i and i mean i mean if it isn't fucking weird to see like a fully grown 45 year old man clutching a teddy bear naked in a bed i mean that kind of fucked me up a little bit i was a little oh, upset. yeah big time that upset <laughs> me i was like okay you know yeah I mean, if the hand wavering thing wasn't enough to make you feel yeah, weird. Yeah, for real. She also, <laughs> she also responds a lot in real time to her brother being nearby. And he's like, what's going on? Like, he yeah. doesn't understand that being close to her or even placing his hand on her might be something that's triggering for her. So um, all these interpretations were, like, pretty accurate as far as how somebody might be dealing with and trauma I, after. And I think that, um, oh, shit. Um well, yeah, when we're when we're discussing like those sort of things, it they they got down the caring teacher like character idea for her, yeah. I think, because she doesn't let anyone tell her no, don't help this yeah, kid. Everyone yeah. she doesn't let anyone tell her that. She says, No, fuck you, I'm gonna go deal with this because yeah. So awesome. I like that. I I thought that really captured at least captured the character from the short story. I think um, Lucas, the actor that plays Lucas, does a really good job as well of playing of playing oh, that. You know, yeah. demented. What a great child a actor! Old. He's fifteen. Uh, it's, it's, it's so good that at some points I'm like, is this kid okay? Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like, is he actually film? okay? He's gonna leave this movie and have like a whole crisis. Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, it's not gonna be like the kid from the Babadook 
who was like straight up protected yeah. from things like th they weren't actually yelling at this kid. They're yelling mm -hmm. at like some other adult. So it's like, I, I do wonder what kind of precautions they might've taken for a young child actor and something like this. But I'm going to tell you what they did. They put him in makeup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Like literally um, he has the, the fucking death 1000 yard stare down of just like <laughs> st yeah. staring into the, the the fucking abyss of just, just trauma like he's not doing well so a great child actor um, my dad is a zombie <laughs> what what i want to bring up is if you never uh, heard or read the short story that if on the surface for that first hour you're probably thinking that the kid is a serial killer or will become a serial killer. Something is up, right? Yeah. Because he keeps grabbing dead animals. He kills skunks. Yeah, the way they played out is really like, I know, yeah, it had all of the little animals that were just like roadkill and stuff that he was bringing in. Then he like cut it up himself yeah. and fed it. Like he put it in like a fucking takeaway box. <laughs> like, like, I, I, I remember specifically some of like the grisly descriptions that were in the, the short story itself, like describing corpses that look like they're wrapped up like bubble wrap. Yeah, they got wrunged out, and that and, was not really included. I mean, no, no, they have that. They have that one corpse that's at the uh, what do you call it? That's that the one that examining. got exploded. Yeah, oh. yeah, but that one looks all like kind of twisted and stuff like that oh, too. Like I it looks, about it looks one. like crazy and malformed. And I was like, good. Like that was like he good. Was, like, uh, I'm glad. Like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and like, but like also kind of twisted. And so I was like, all right, no, this is a good interpretation of you know what the what the story was kind of going for with like what happens to the people after. Um, I still think everyone should have died at the end of this movie, though. Uh, I'll get uh, into for that. For some reason, I do, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like Same. that's just how it should have vibed. But uh, Comparisons to the novel, I will say that it is great to see the cop character hear about all these deaths in real time on screen. Yeah. Because you could see the stress on his face. And he's like, he plays a small town cop pretty well yeah. for someone that just doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Uh, yeah, they have. So whenever they're creating cops from a small town they have the the small room small wiggle room to make them a likable character because they aren't part of a large police force right. so most of the time they know everybody and are very invested in helping out whoever is in the town this is probably a town that they grew up in yeah he yeah, said it, it. he grew yeah. up there yeah, yeah. Brother and this isn't too. just some guy from the department store that's tom yeah, tom is dead <laughs> you know uh, um, yeah so he's 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 very much meant to be a protective character but he's like He's so helpless for oh, the yeah. whole thing because, like, he cannot do anything about it. I'm surprised they didn't call any higher ups, you know, like, you know, the, the U.S. National Guard or some dumb shit. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's kind of this, like, small bubble that they're existing in that doesn't really call in too many people. But uh, here, here's what I was going to get to. Um, it didn't have it in the short story, so I understand why. But also, like, for me, I think I really wanted to see three things. I wanted to hear... Linda listening to the vandals and getting eaten oh, because man, she's yeah. the punk rock chick that lives across the street from her yeah. teacher counterpart. No pizza boy delivery scene. Yeah. Oh. Dude. Upsack. That yeah. was the worst. Like not like we don't even get it. Like nothing. They didn't order pizza. So I was like, no. dude, is this guy going to get messed up? Didn't never happen. And three, it's the ending. I, I like that the short story ends on a somber note where everyone just gets eaten. Yeah, everybody's done. They, they, they kind of wanted to set them uh, themselves up for like a sequel, probably. I don't know if maybe that was just like very uh, optimistic thinking they were going to get money for a new it, film. It's maybe that, but I also think that maybe like your general populace wants a happy ending. 
They want to see a hero triumph against the big monster yeah. thing. And but that's I mean, he's like... sick himself, though, at the end. Like, he's going to turn into it. Yeah. yeah. It's a bittersweet ending. Yeah. He even foreshadows it. He's just like, could you imagine killing someone of your own? And then he just, like, starts coughing up the blood. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> oh, this is also very cliche. Yeah. To be like, oh. yeah. <laughs> and then he doesn't tell anybody. Yeah, it, it, I just noticed something, too. Going back to the drug addict metaphor, it's kind of talking about how you pass along these things to your children for also. exposure. Oh, yeah, because it's usually, um, it's, like, in your genes sometimes. Sometimes, but I say it more has to do with the way that you were raised. Oh, like, I see. Like, it's more okay. of a nurture than nature thing when gotcha. it comes to addiction. But, I mean, it's such a difficult cycle to break when you you're raised by addicts and you're around addicts all the time it's commonplace to become one yourself in some sense Mm. more more metaphors on this is the conquering of your abuse trauma as well like yeah for the kid yeah for the kid i mean there's like you know the you know the the one that watched it all he was able to break free from it you know she is able to you know fight back against her own abuse in some like you know like reverse yeah she has a very literal fight yeah, I could literally the, literal fight with it. And then it's, but it's like, you know, the dad wasn't able to overcome it and his youngest son wasn't able to overcome it. Yeah. Either. Interesting. And then these interactions affect the uh, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then, what were like some of your favorite things about the film? Whether it's cinematography, a certain shot, the script? <clears throat> um, I like the creature, I don't. I like that they use practical effects as well as CGI yeah. and a mix. Except for the ending when she's battling it because they couldn't get that. Um, but I don't like that we see the creature. Same. Um, this has the effects that Insidious had. Yeah. Where it was amazing film until you see it. And it kind of throws out the like mystical aspect of the unseen creature. I do really love the entire sequence where they go up into the attic and they find the husk with the bones in oh, it still. Great. That is a great visualiz- uh, visualization. And I give props to the... Uh, prop department yeah they also didn't know what the fuck to do like the guy shows up and he's like what the fuck is this and he's like yo it looks like something exploded out of this <laughs> yeah. and they're like it did what <laughs> they don't know they don't know what to do with like, a body like just that explode good out of stuff yeah. good gore in this movie i gotta yeah. give i gotta There's give good gore. you know some some stars to that i i really like i i just like the creature design in general that they did for this one like especially like there's like one where like the the dad face is still hanging onto its onto its so jaw. fucked up yeah, yeah i know yeah and it's still just hanging on it the, like carves the, off the face and then like drapes it <laughs> yeah yeah no no <laughs> very I, delicately too love that love that it even turns to her with the thing on it, and then it takes it off. Like, oh, I'm gonna get a new face, mm. and it, after it sees her, and then it goes to fight, and it's it's really it's it's a crazy thing. Sorry, <laughs> the water thing did a thing. We're good though. Good take. <laughs> <laughs> and start. Do you here. have any favorite stuff, scenes, things? Mm, just the overall cinematography. I really yeah, like how nice. they captured that Solid. sort of gloomy moist atmosphere of the pnw everything was wet (laughs) big forest desolate depression now let me fog everywhere fog now let me tell you everyone looks grim and tired (laughs) i love it now let me tell you something there was a little 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 movie made here in this exact location about 40 years 50 years back little movie called rambo first blood (laughs) (laughs) same place oh it was in british columbia or it's in the same same town as as rambo first blood oh wow that's kind of interesting yeah i don't know how to feel about that 
So 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 can we just put it in the same universe that yeah. Rambo fucked up the town in the eighties, and then this bagel comes out of nowhere. <laughs> I love that Rambo is really just him going nuts and killing like so many innocent men at some point who are like not directly involved with what had happened. Oh, the best part of that movie is just like these cops keep fucking with me. I'm a vet. God damn it. Yeah. Literally that's the whole thing. Uh, um, so, so then before I go off on a Rambo fucking, um, tangent, tangent about so like that, what, what do you, what would you rate it then? I'm going to give it a solid like seven. That's, that's, uh, that's where I sit. Uh, like a just seven a seven. This one. Yeah. Uh, I thought it could have been better. Mm-hmm. Uh, could have stayed more faithful to the, the page. I think it could have been a short film. Yeah, honestly, they should have adapted it into a short film, and I think it would have been. I think it would have fucking swept at the festivals if this had been. Oh yeah. A short film that was well funded and produced by Guillermo del Toro, because like he believed in the story, so it would have been something that was well funded. You would have had more money than you needed for the short film, and I think it probably would have done better as that. In, yeah. In that. In that no, I, I I definitely agree with you. I think that there's just there's just a tone and like just a vibe with the short story that the movie just doesn't quite carry all the way through. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I probably would give it a six because I do feel like the movie just sort of dragged at some point. And, you know, it's really difficult to turn a short story into a full length movie. It is, yeah. And I think the problem, too, is they wanted to include everything as it was in the short story. Not everything, but I wish that there was more time maybe spent getting into the lore, developing certain sequences a little bit more rather than going with everything kind of line by line and giving you all the mundane details and spending really a whole hour of the movie like getting into the good stuff. Like if this was cut down to a good 30, 45 minutes, I think it would have been golden. But I was genuinely bored throughout most of this movie. I'm going to give it a five nice. for the specific reason that I fell asleep towards oh. the end of the film oh. because it was so boring to me and not because the film is not creative. I think it's just because they spent a lot of time going one way and then chose to go a different direction towards the end, which is not cool for, in my opinion, in my opinion and take some things, if you're going to commit to something, commit to it and yeah, do that through the whole like film. It wasn't like there was a good build up to the end. It just yeah. kind of appeared. It just happens. There was no like hinting, no foreshadowing. It just kind of went that way. Yeah. All in the last couple I mean, of minutes. I mean, there was sort of like, you did get to see the killings and the bodies and stuff like that. But as far as how they wrapped it up, I think it was a case of not being well adapted to a longer version of itself. I mean, I feel I feel like the pandemic might also play into that somehow. Yeah. Where it's just, we need to get this sh- thing done. It so we're be. just going to fucking just get it, move it along, get it done. You know, uh, sort of as thing. far as visual aesthetics, it's gorgeous. It's a really nice movie. As yeah. far as they, they knew how to use the camera, they knew how to use lighting. The the set they chose, the area that they're um, shooting in is like perfect for this kind of story. So as far as like putting it all together and bringing it to the right spot and their child actor, all really good. Yeah, and no, it, it, yeah. Has, it has all the ingredients for a really good movie. And I'm convinced there's a very solid movie in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I just think that there's a little bit of chuff <laughs> and a little bit of stuff that needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, any final thoughts then? Uh, read a quiet, uh, the quiet yeah, boy by exactly. Nick Acosta. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely, give that a read. And it's if you're it. if you're coming to this review of Antlers and don't know what it is, go check out our episode on it as well. All right, I'll do the uh, yeah, outro then. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's been quite some time since we've done the outro. Uh, a seven weeks 
couple couple trippings of drugs. I mean, uh, <laughs> research say that on research chemicals for legal purposes. This is a joke. Yeah, this is a joke. <laughs> I pet a lot of cats. I did a lot of things. I played a lot of Elden Ring. But now you're back for the Mur outro. So what's what's uh what what, what do we got for our people today, Mur? What, what do we have? Well, check it out. We have. The Discord. Holy, Holy shit. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Go join the Discord. Just it's fucking chaos. Join the Discord. Involve in the chaos. Talk about films. Tell us where we went wrong on certain episodes. Argue with us. Argue about with us everything. About everything. Don't be a bitch. Uh, yeah, tell us you love us. I don't know. Oh, we also, every 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 week now, it seems, we have been streaming Oh, on our Twitch. Oh, we have a Twitch now. Yeah, yeah, we have a Twitch as well as John has his own little channel where we basically stream video games. They could be horror related or not. I'll and definitely be doing more during the summer. Something to look forward to in the future is we're going to be streaming our podcast recordings so yes. everyone can see what really goes down in the uh, studio apartment. Yeah, you can see us all vape and knock over the water bottle mid-session. Yeah, you can see the cat <laughs> do things, you know? Yeah. And who doesn't love watching um, cats that's do true. things? You might we, spot one of our cats. Also, if you join our Discord, you can also join us for movie night, which we'll be, we will be starting soon. Yeah, where we will be streaming the movies where you yeah, the actual movies them. we're talking about. Uh, also, we have our Teespring, where you can basically get some merch from us. It helps pay for the podcast and all of our funds, as well as our Patreon, which gives you access to our bonus content. Are you trying to tell me people can send us money? Yeah. Holy monthly. shit. Monthly. On a monthly basis. Or on a one-time payment for like a hat or a shirt. I've been on this podcast for like three years, and I've had no idea that people could send us money. Yeah. And if this, wild. this is your first time checking us out, I highly recommend you check out our social medias. Yeah. We got the Twitters, the Facebooks, and, and the Instagrams. Holy shit. Or you could directly message us if you have concerns, or you could basically just get updated whenever we have new episodes. If you also want to get updated, follow us on Spotify and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell Ooh. us how we're doing and hang out with us. You can also do reviews on Spotify. I. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can give ratings to podcasts on Spotify. Give you? ratings, not a review. Not a review rating, sorry. Oh. So leave us a nice Yeah, nice yeah, rating. Give us a nice rating. This is news to me. Give us a humble little 3.5 out of 5. Maybe we'll give you a little something, something in return. We're, we're going to be coming back to our schedule. Things will be going smoothly as possible. Yeah. Thank you for bearing with us while we are on our seven-week hiatus. We love you all. Bye. Bye. I'm Mitch. I'm Murr. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. Thank you. Ah! Nice.